Good morning, campers. Good morning, campers. Today's activities include begging my boss to let me do the big cover story of the magazine. Lunch today will be squashed cattle beef in a risen yeast casting. And to end the night, we will be... Fuck. Fuck! Shit! Oh, fuck! Shit! I forgot to hand in the, 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 the assignment! Shit! So put on your sunscreen, bug spray, and camp uniform as we dive into Cup of Cheer. Cup of Cheer! Marishka Hargate, Sarah. Marishka Hargate, Sam. I am... <laughs> I am your camp counselor, Sam, an ex-pro wrestler in training, and current drag wrestler, manager. And I'm camp counselor, Sarah, a big city girl with a big city job. And we're here to ask, is it camp? We're diving into popular culture of all kinds to loosely identify what makes something camp. We are not here to be the definitive experts on it, but rather just talk about this often overlooked and frankly queer subgenre. So, cup of cheer. <laughs> Odds are, campers, you have not heard of this movie. If you have heard of this movie, it is because of one very specific achievement it has. This is probably one of the wildest things about this movie. In a movie that is filled with wild things, this movie became number one at the Canadian box office through kind of sheer dumb luck during the pandemic. <laughs> it's it's a certain t kind of luck. That's that's for certain. Yeah, uh it was it was released kind of during the height of that very first wave of the pandemic where it went straight to drive drive-ins. Mm -hmm. And uh yeah, because no other film companies were releasing new movies at the time and people wanted to go see movies. They went to go see Cup of Cheer, and it was number one at the box office for several weeks in a row. So Cup of Cheer is a... Do you think parody is the best word? It's It's got that... It's a parody, uh, but it's also very much, I feel, in the vein of Airplane, mm -hmm. where we understand the parody, but the jokes go so much further than that. Yeah, so I think now would probably be a good time to introduce the background on this movie, which is a little bit different. We're not going to do background today, and you know what? I got a special treat for the campers. <laughs> I was able to get an interview with the star of the film, Storm Steenson. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a fun little thing because, you know, <laughs> I worked with her a bit. <laughs> <laughs> You're two regular big city big shots. I pulled those strings. Sorry, when you say that Ooh. you pulled strings, does that mean you asked her? I asked her politely. <laughs> uh, this is kind of a first. Uh, yeah, this is a first for uh, the Is It Camp listeners. We've never done just like an interview before about somebody in the property. So here's my best attempt at interviewing another human being. Welcome back, campers. Uh, today, I am sitting here with the star of Cup of Cheer, Storm Steenson. Hello, Storm. Marishka Hargate. Hello, hello. So nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. It's... Uh, we we've like I said we've we've had guests on the show before, 
but uh, this was really the first opportunity to have a star of the property that we're talking about. And boy, howdy, are you a star of this property? Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's really a delight. Um, Storm and I worked together on Ginny and Georgia in the paint department. But um, I, I knew at the time that you were an actress and were auditioning for various things. But uh, from what we can tell from your IMDb, this is your first real, like, starring role, correct? Yeah, yeah. This was my first big project. It was, uh, it was a little intimidating, but extremely exciting. I was very lucky to have the opportunity to do it. This movie, I, I can't speak for Sarah. Uh, I think she, I'm pretty sure she enjoyed it, but I was watching this late at night and laughing my ass off oh that's so good to hear <laughs> it does these amazing things of going back and forth between being uh, absurdly silly at times mm -hmm. and then downright crude yep and then coupled with just like that left field humor of oh i didn't expect this joke to happen at all yeah. yet here we are <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's got a lot going on. It's it's one of those one of those scripts where it was like there was just a joke and then a joke and then oh look it's another joke. <laughs> it was just like on it just like went hard, you know. It was it was pretty cool. Like first reading that script, I was like, oh my god, this is this is actually really funny. I would like, while I was reading it, I was laughing and I hadn't had that experience before. So I was like, wow, this is, this is an opportunity. Oh my God. I hope I can, I hope I can swing this and get it. <laughs> Obviously cup of cheer is uh, a parody, a send up to the Hallmark Christmas movie genre of films. That's become increasingly mo more popular over the, the previous years uh had you been a fan of the hallmark christmas feel-good rom-com genre before you saw this film or hallmark has its charms right yes it's like a, a guilty pleasure sometimes um i a lot of times i would end up watching hallmark movies like with friends or family because they would put it on and uh they were, you know, they could be quite enjoyable, whether it be in a way of like, oh, this is actually like really sweet. This is really cute. This is a nice story. And then it was, you know, also in the way of like, oh, my, oh, my God, is this actually, is this happening? Or what? Uh, <laughs> oh. There's like a very specific recipe, you know, for mm -hmm. the Hallmark movie. So you know exactly what you're going to get. So it was kind of fun to do something that took all of those tropes, all of those little individual ingredients and kind of like flipped it on its head, you know? Mm-hmm. My, my co-host Sarah also sent me some questions. Unfortunately, she couldn't be here because she's on a bit of a holiday, but that's why I'm in the driver's chair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good reason not to be here. Holidays are great. <laughs> yeah. With the film, I know you said that the script was like joke 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 
And I mean, while I was watching it, I was definitely in the, the mindset of, I'm sure if I watched this movie again, there would be twice as many jokes that I didn't catch the first time yeah. that are ground things or little throwaway lines. Uh, I mean, one of my absolute favorite throwaway lines is when um, the little old lady is next to you at the, at the hot chocolate shop. Yeah. And uh, Chris just very quickly, very quietly calls her a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a really good one. It was funny. There was a little bit of a discussion on that. We did, there was a couple different takes done of like different lines because they weren't sure if they wanted to be that vulgar with their words yet. So uh, it was kind of funny that they ended up going with that because I think it really... Like when you catch it, it really zings and you're like, oh my God, did he just say that? The, that line really got to the heart of me where I sat down and went, oh, it's this kind of movie. I know exactly <laughs> where I am now. Perfect. And, and the movie had me from that point going forward. So Sarah wanted to know, was there any improv on the set? Uh, while while the, the jokes are so tight, mm -hmm. It definitely feels like at, at some points you guys felt more more loose, more able to just go along with whatever's happening. Did you guys do a lot of improv or? Um, you know, the thing is, is that the, because the script was so good, um, we didn't really need to deviate very far from it. Mm -hmm. um we did get to do little bits of improv in in certain areas and stuff and they did actually keep uh some of those little bits in which was kind of fun but um a lot of it most of the film is like word perfect um okay it's it's pretty much it's pretty much exactly how it was written which i think is pretty cool the fact that the script translates in that way um is pretty pretty incredible um but there were a couple parts that um, we did get to like improv a little bit. There was there was one uh, the bit in the diner where um, I have the bald cap on. Oh yes, <laughs> that little bit was actually it was a little bit of improv. It was it was uh, we had gotten the take, and so the director Jake. Uh, after we had gotten it was like, okay, you know what? Let's, let's play around a bit. Um, he was like, okay, try it, try it like this, try it like this. And uh, we ended up with this kind of weird Italian <laughs> kind of mob boss vibe, which was, which was super fun. And there was also a bit um, in the van when I was uh, screaming yeah, um, there's a point. I, mean, I have been screaming for so long. <laughs> you 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 scream in a lot of this movie, yeah. and <laughs> and I don't mean that in a negative way. I I love it because you just hit this level of unhinged after a while. Of great, here she goes. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a bit of them. I was like, all right, here we go. Let's do it again. Okay, <laughs> take a deep breath. But I was I was running out of air by the end, and uh, and I, uh, I swore, but they kept it in, and I was shocked. I was so surprised that they did that. I thought it was so funny. It was a great little bit for me to watch. 
Yeah, it's it, and that that little sort of dive off at the end where you're ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it really is. It was just so much fun. These these are just the the dumbest jokes, <laughs> but they they hit me right to the core of this is so good. This I, I, I'm on board right here. This is great. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do you have any background in improv at all, or was this like very much your first time being able to let go and do that kind of stuff for s- stuff like the diner scene? Right. Um, I mean, I have I have a bit of you know improv training. I did um, acting in in high school, and then I also went to college uh, for acting as well. Um, so I, I had like a decent amount of spirit of experience with, uh, with improv, but I wouldn't say I'm an improv expert by any means. Um, improv is, a a skill on its own. It's a different, it's a whole different skill set to be able to be so quick on your feet and stuff. I find myself, I need a little bit of a push. Sometimes I have a bit of a hard time getting going. So when someone kind of nudges me or pokes me a little bit, pushes me a little farther, that's kind of when I get into it. And it's, you know, it, sometimes you get some good stuff. Sometimes you don't, you know, it's hit and miss. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, I hear you there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you as an actress, that comedy is a speciality for you? Is it something that you want to pursue and go further into? Or is this just part of, like, you feel you have a huge range and you want to try and do everything and anything. I've never thought I was funny. Um, I was uh, definitely a little surprised that they ended up uh, choosing me uh, for the role just because I was like, this is a comedy. I've never really done comedy before. I mean, comedy is, is so fun. It's, it's very light and you know, it's, it's great to do, but typically I've always done more dramatic things. I'm a I'm a good crier. I do I do a, my fair share of crying on set. So um, I I have like these uh, I have these sad eyes. I've been told where they're very they kind of like turn down a little bit on the edges. You know, it's like oh it's so sad. So that's what I did. Is is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, I I pondered that question for uh many moons and i kind of decided that it doesn't it doesn't really matter does it (laughs) (laughs) so i I, it is what it is and i don't know what that is and i think i'm okay with that now (laughs) (laughs) um i i did find that i really really enjoyed doing a comedy movie because it was it was nice coming, you know, coming home after after a long day on set and like being exhausted out of like happiness mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, being being ex- exhausted because my my face hurts because I was crying for three hours <laughs> or, you know, like, yeah. you know, like, you know, the heavy, more uh, a more emotional kind of. Uh, kind of things it can you know take a while to kind of get out of your out of your body so this was a this was a nice refreshing uh thing for me because 
it was just like, I was just so happy. I was smiling all day on set on purpose and it was great. It was, <laughs> it was so nice. Yeah. It's something I definitely want to explore more. I think my niche is definitely still, still more on the dramatic side, but I, mm. I would like to kind of do a little bit of everything. Like we were saying, you, you get to do these, these very silly things, but you also have this incredible ability to pivot on a dime into a very, very serious or very alternative emotion. I mean, for example, when um, Chris introduces his niece to you, Georgia, mm -hmm. and you are disgusted by the sight of this child being here. But when he's looking at you, you are able to, oh, bright smiles and big eyes. And <laughs> then the second he looks away, you're just staring daggers at this little girl. <laughs> It was, it was fun to have those little moments where I could kind of switch in and out. It was a, it was a really fun little challenge, you know? How many takes did you have to do on what I can probably consider to be the world's worst kiss? <laughs> uh, we had kind of, we had rehearsed uh, before actually filming. We had rehearsed kind of like, what we were going to do kind of like you know where we would go so it was like okay so first we're gonna blow in each other's faces and then you go to my ear and I'll go to your and then I'll put your nose in my mouth you know like that kind of thing it was <laughs> and yeah. I'm, I'm sure you both were absolutely it's just blowing into each other's mouths is a, a stroke of genius of leaving me great discomfort in my soul. <laughs> it's funny. I, cause you kind of, the way Alex is blowing, it kind of goes into my hair and it, like <laughs> blows my hair back. And it's like, Oh, how dazzling. It's like the wind is. <laughs> oh, no. So I remember when the movie got released, it was, right at the tail end, I think, of that first wave of the Pandangle. Mm -hmm. And um, at, as luck would have it, your movie shot to number one at the Canadian box office. Wasn't that a stroke of luck? Oh, <laughs> it was so fantastic. It was, it was interesting because we had finished filming, like, maybe, maybe, like, three three weeks, four weeks before everything shut down. We were kind of in this little bubble. I I hadn't actually heard about COVID until we finished. We um, After we finished, I went on a little trip to Montreal with a friend and then I came back and I started working and that's when I heard about this pandemic. I was like, what? What do you mean? What is, huh? <laughs> <laughs> everything shut down it was like whoa okay this is new so it was when we did release it it was a little uh nerve-wracking for everybody because it's a comedy film and when you can't hear if people are laughing or not it's a little unnerving you know everyone was in their cars so we had decided like um, uh, Jake and, and Andy were kind of like, roll down your window a bit, see if you can hear if people are laughing or not, you know? And, and I had my mom in the car. So that was, that was kind of fun. My, 
my mom in the car, she was just killing herself um, <laughs> at the end scene um, when they were singing Silent Night. Just over and over again. Oh my God, she died. <laughs> she died. That I was like, that was what got you. Okay, interesting. <laughs> you you can't you can't predict people's humor sometimes, right? Yeah, it was it's it was kind of interesting to to hear that, and you know, with the windows rolled down a little bit, you could hear people laughing at certain points. So it's like, okay, well, I don't think everyone hates it at least, so that's good. <laughs> Now, just in case anybody at home is listening to this and going like, did they drive their cars into a theater? I, I'm assuming you did this at a drive-in theater, right? Yes, yes. Okay. It, was, it was released uh, at uh, all the, a bunch of drive-ins. Um, and yeah, through, through that, we were lucky enough to be number one in the Canadian box office for a couple weeks. It was, it was kind of cool. You know, it was what was really interesting about that was that it was so nostalgic because I remember when I was a kid my my parents taking me to see movies every once in a while at the at the drive-in and so mm -hmm. it was kind of a weird little you know circle back getting to have my first feature come out at a drive-in I, I thought that was just very uh I don't know I felt very sentimental about that and now you can legitimately put on your resume that you were the star of a movie that was number one at the box office. <laughs> I know it's crazy. It's uh, it's very unexpected. I mean, the the cast and crew were all so amazing, and when we were on set, it there was just this like energy where you could feel that something was happening, and and it was exciting. So we were just hoping that that would translate once it got you know into into uh strangers eyes and um yeah we've been lucky enough that there there's been enough people that have you know liked it we we basically it's a movie that's just especially during that time it was like a movie you could watch where you didn't have to think it's kind of dumb you know, you could just kind of watch and hopefully laugh and just kind of like forget about everything that was happening, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's and nice to be a part of that. I, I think it's it's really important. I mean, we, we love to celebrate great films and films that make you think and th things that, you know, they, they change the cultural landscape. But there's something to be said about big dumb movies too <laughs> and you know it's it's nice to be able to watch something and switch your brain off and let the movie happen and you know i i, I love the movie it is a big dumb movie and i appreciate <laughs> that it knows that it's a big dumb movie as well yeah. yeah i think that's the important part of it you know like not taking yourselves too seriously Mm -hmm. It was one of those things on set, like something I kept reminding myself. I used to watch a lot of uh, movies on, on TCM, on Turner Classic Movies with my mom and my grandparents and stuff. And they used to have these little, um, these little bits in between uh, movies where they'd have 
a little a little thing about about an actor from that from that time period and they did this one bit on a woman uh named Catherine Hepburn I don't know if you know her oh we love Catherine Hepburn oh well oh boy let's let's join a fan club or something she's amazing (laughs) she's so amazing and and in this little bit there was something that she had said uh, at, uh, she was being interviewed and she was like, just, just say the lines, you know, they're the, what you're supposed to do is, is put down, it's written right in front of you. Just say the lines. Obviously that's not verbatim, but <laughs> yeah, it was something that stuck with me for a really, really long time. And that when I started doing that film, that was like my little mantra. I was like, don't overthink it, say the lines, you know? And uh, for me, it kind of helped settle some of the anxiety of, you know, that first time on set and, you know, lots of pressures and stress. So it was uh, a nice little mantra to remind myself to not take myself too seriously. And it worked. It's a genuine joy seeing somebody that I know doing something they clearly love and doing it so well. Hearing no, like having people that I know like support things like that, like having you actually take the time out of your day to watch it is just so unbelievable to me. And I honestly cannot thank you enough for, for taking the time to, to watch it. This is, this is a movie I'm going to start championing because (laughs) Every once in a while, you come across a movie and you're just like, why don't more people know about this? I'm going to make other people watch this. <laughs> what do you think is the most difficult scene for you to have filmed in terms of the comedy of it? Like how many times you may have broken character just laughing, having to redo the scene because whatever the line is, the joke is really got at you for some reason. Oh, okay. So... <laughs> Um, there's a scene where Rudolf Hitler, uh, comes <laughs> on and, and, <laughs> and, um, Jacob, who is, who plays, um, Arthur is laying on the, uh, the countertop and, uh, we, that scene took us so long to get through because, uh, Steve, who, who played the cop, um, he, we weren't told that he was going to take off his police hat and that there was going to be another second smaller one. (laughs) (laughs) We died. We were dying. We could (laughs) not keep it together. And that's not just like, Alex and I, somehow Steve never broke. He was just a professional. Um, (laughs) um, But Alex and I could not keep it together. And even the crew were like, they had a really tough time keeping the Snickers down and stuff because it was just so funny. And I remember there was this moment where Jacob was kind of getting a little frustrated because he was spraying Pam in his mouth every take. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> thank God that was Pam. <laughs> Come on, get it together. Like, what is going on? Because his back was turned, so he couldn't see what was happening. And so eventually he did finally turn around and he saw what we were laughing at and he and he lost it. And oh, God, 
it that was just like this the scene that it was so difficult for everybody to get through it it was just so funny oh, that's that's great i i i love that you guys just constantly found it funny right it never became a <laughs> a chore of humor it was yeah. like okay no this is still hitting us yeah and i mean it's one of those things too where like the the giggles are contagious you know mm -hmm. when someone gets the giggles that's kind of that's the end <laughs> and uh so it was it was like once someone would get over their giggles someone else would get the giggles and then someone you know and it was so it was uh it was a very, that was probably the most, the most I've ever laughed uh, on set. That was, it was just so much fun. One thing I did want to ask mm -hmm. was because this is a show about camp, uh, two things. One, what does camp mean to you? And two, what do you think your camp favorite is in terms of maybe a film a tv show a book anything what is the one thing that springs to mind that you're like i don't always know what camp is but i know that 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 is camp and is i love camp. it right oh that's a wonderful question i feel like camp to me is watching people just let loose let go and do stupid fun things i feel like camp is a good way to make fun of how serious we can be you know and like poke fun at that and just remind us to kind of chill out a little bit you know mm -hmm. like um i don't know for me i feel like it kind of ranges it ranges from like i think my first experience of camp was like bob hope and uh red skelton and to me that was you know like very camp very funny very you know comedy and then you know it changes over time like i, I mean airplane was one of the um inspirations for this film and airplane is just a classic movie it, it doesn't get old you know um it's just and i feel like camp is also very very witty you know you have to be kind of on your feet and and really paying attention and listening and you know reacting oh it's yeah <laughs> because we're we're always trying to give a definition to camp on the show but it's so nebulous it changes and it changes per person and that's why we always ask at the end of our episodes did you find this camp right i mean the whole purpose of the show is is it camp and yeah it's it's just one of those things i mean in as much as comedy right what you may find funny i may not find funny and but that doesn't mean it's not funny mm -hmm. right but, yeah it's all it's all very uh perspective based you know everyone has a different perspective and a different viewpoint and I mean I think it's also it can be you know impacted by the mood that you're in you know sometimes you're just like in the mood and and sometimes it can change your mood which is so so fantastic mm-hmm
Well, uh, before we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to plug? Any other future uh, films, perhaps, that you're starring in that you'd like to let the audience know of? That way we can go out and seek out more Storm Steenson. Oh! <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure when this is coming out, but on December 2nd, we're having a screening of Cup of Cheer at uh, the Review Theatre, actually. And it's going to be, um, there's a host from CBC that's going to be there and it'll be super fun. Uh, he'll be moderating it. Um, and then uh, Cup of Cheer will also be available on CBC Gem for the for the next uh, few years. So that's really exciting. So it'll <laughs> be available to people for free, which will be so lovely. Um, Actually, the uh, the director and I have worked together since we did a, a TV show called Sunshine City, which is on Bell 5 uh, at the moment. And we were greenlit for a second season. Oh, congratulations. So, thank you. So uh, we'll be we'll be filming that early next year. So that that'll be coming out next year at some point. Um, okay, give us give us the um, the sort of why why should we check out sunshine city ooh okay so um sunshine city is kind of similar to cup of cheer in the sense that it's kind of you're you're not expecting what happens um which is i think kind of fun um and the writing is wonderful yet again cuz it's the same writers same directors um the the cinematographer paul maxwell is just absolutely astounding he's just such a good job it's visually interesting it's um brand uh brandon Bra or sorry uh oh my god brayden barry <laughs> <laughs> uh who also goes by say we can fly he did uh the music for cup of cheer and he also acted in it he was uh the henchman and he also did the score for sunshine city as well so the music is just gorgeous um yet again and the story is really interesting it's it's about this uh girl who goes to a small town mm -hmm. and takes a job as um as a uh, on a tv show hosting a tv show about that uh city and um she's kind of like uh, pretending to be something that she's not so she can find out some information that she's been looking for for a very long time. So it's a little kind of mysterious. It's a little funny. It's a little dramatic. It's It has a little touch of everything, which I think is uh, a really, really lovely. And um, I mean, the rest of the, the, the cast and crew on that were so amazing as well. So I think it's a very interesting little show uh, to watch. So yeah, that's what I'd say about that. <laughs> oh, great. No, I, I, I look forward to it. I'm going to go uh, try and seek it out wherever I can. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. But um, no. Yeah, that's, 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 kind of, that's kind of what's going on for me at the moment. Um, I did have an episode come out. I was on The Boys, uh, mm -hmm. which and that came out earlier this year. So you can catch me there as well. Um, yeah. I remember seeing you put up an Instagram picture. It, it was you covered in blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Naturally. <was> <laughs> I, 
yeah, right now I'm working on what we do in the shadows and we're literally like the studio next to us is the boys and the amount oh. of people who come out covered in blood. It's just like, oh yeah, boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's brilliant. Um, thank you so much for talking to me today about this. Thank you uh, for talking to me as well. I really appreciate your time. An interest. No, anything you'd like to say before we wrap up here then? Um, thank you again for having me and, and thank thank you to whomever is listening. And uh, I hope that you know watching watching this the movie can bring you a little little bit of joy. <laughs> Okay, Sam, that was a great interview. Yeah, it, fantastic, wasn't it? It should win a Pulitzer and an <laughs> Emmy. And can I get a Tony for that? I can get a Grammy, I think. I think you can get a Tony if you turn it into a one-man show. <laughs> I really loved listening to it because, number one, it's clear you guys... You, it's clearly you guys are friends, but also that she really enjoyed doing this movie, which, you know, thank God. It would be so awful if the last thing you did right before the pandemic was something that you hated doing. I cannot imagine. And also, like like I said in the interview, I asked her like if she got tired of doing the comedy, and thankfully, no, she... She came out of it and she felt great, not from crying on screen constantly or something, right? Other than the, the tiredness that you might get from laughing all day. That's a great feeling. That's actually quite often how I feel when, uh, when we finish recording our show. Oh, isn't that sweet? I, I intend to make at least you laugh. <laughs> That's the thing. If we're making each other laugh, then we're still having fun. Okay, so we meet... Mary. Mary works at a big city magazine, but she feels like she can do so much better than the assignments she's getting. This is Storm Steenson, friend of the show. Uh, she gets a story assigned to her to go to Snowy Heights, which just happens to be her hometown. And the story is due on Christmas Eve. The great thing about her hometown is that it starts as Snowy Heights, and then it becomes Snowy Heightsville. And then it becomes Snowy Heightsville on the green. And every time somebody mentions it, they've added in a new part to the total name of the town. So by the end of it, like Storm just interrupts somebody and is like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> uh, she is an orphan, of course, so she's alone at Christmas and she doesn't have anybody in the town that she's going to meet. But first she has to go to her fancy high city loft to pack up her possessions which is just a kennel she she lives in a kennel <laughs> it's it's not a kennel it's the storage space below the <laughs> the apartment building but multiple people appear to be living there because it's uh, the big city we cannot afford more than that we meet Santa Dog here. Santa Dog is her favorite possession in the whole world. And I'm going to say right now, you are already upset with me for jumping over several jokes. The comparison to Airplane is not inaccurate. This movie is packed tight. Oh, I, I'm not going to be upset about you jumping over jokes. I think there are some 
very important jokes that we hit and talk about. Mm-hmm. But this this is a, a film that you really have to watch because it is it is joke a minute. It is go go go, and like sometimes I had to pause the movie because I'm like I'm laughing too much. <laughs> I know I'm gonna miss something. Not There's- plot, but a joke. <laughs> There's one uh, joke that you particularly mentioned in the interview that you guys would have heard now, uh, where you you really have to settle in and be like, I'm here for this movie now. I understand the speed that it is running at. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. When that happened, we'll, we'll get to it when we get yeah. to it. But jeez, jeez. So Mary goes back to Snowy Heights. And she's walking down the street looking at how cute and Christmassy everything is. And who should she bump into on the street but Santa? Uh, Because the small town is so friendly. He immediately gives her a cookie, like out of his pocket. And then immediately gives her a (laughs) mug of beer. And then disappears. (laughs) Also out of his pocket. The beer comes out of his pocket. Yes. And this is an old style. Like, imagine what they're drinking on Cheers. It is a mug of beer. Uh, So she looks around for him and bumps immediately into her meet cute with Chris, our male lead. He is carrying an enormous open container of hot cocoa down the street and spills it (laughs) all over her. Uh, including her <laughs> hotel reservations. They both immediately hate each other because they both immediately say, I can't drink this now. <laughs> it's so good. It's, she, it's in reference to her hotel reservation. I don't know why that killed me, but it did. You know, it's your classic Hallmark movie, hate at first sight, that sort of thing. But yet... Could it be there's some sort of spark, some sort of attraction between these two people? Uh, He rushes off and she steps into Grandma Coco's Cup of Cheer. It is a hot cocoa shop. And she meets Keith. Keith is dressed as Flash the Mall Elf because he works two jobs to support himself and his brother, as he tells the customer in front of her in line. Uh, Chris pops up again. He is the owner, along with Keith, of Grandma Coco's Hot Cocoa Shop Cup of Cheer. And they, of course, argue again. This is where we meet (laughs) Mrs. Clovenwitch, who gives background on the town and Grandma (laughs) Coco. She is the... The... (laughs) This actress is the the secret sauce of this movie, I swear to God. Oh my... So she's your typical it's, like older, well. She's the town lady. gossip. Yeah, she wants to see these and two she cute also, kids get together. <laughs> she she also acts as sort of the um, the exposition dump. Mm-hmm. But when I say dump, she really dumps. Like it's just oh, let's just get as much background information out as possible right now in the funniest possible way. I saw a joke on Twitter earlier today. Somebody was watching a Hallmark movie and it was just a screen grab with captions. Uh, And it said something like, I thought I heard my eldest son come in. 
And the idea was, oh, it's, isn't it hilarious how clumsily these Hallmark movies uh, let you know everybody's relationship to each other? But she's just doing it completely straight-faced. <laughs> uh, we learned that it's... Grandma Coco set up Cup of Cheer, and uh, but she died last Christmas. Oh, so sad. But it's it's during this interaction with the three of them <laughs> that the movie really made itself known to me as to what kind of journey I was in for. Because up until now, the jokes have been bizarre and also very silly at the same time. But this one line drop cut right to the heart of me where Mrs. Clovenwitch is talking incessantly and Chris just calls her a cunt. <laughs> and and as Storm says, they kind of debated whether they wanted to go that hard that early. I think it was the right move. <laughs> it made me laugh out loud too. We were texting each other as we each started to watch this movie and both going like, I, I think this movie's really funny. I think this movie's really funny. Uh, she, of course, it's... tells an embarrassing story about uh, Chris. Why, just the other week, she caught him with his pecker and a grilled cheese, and she still had to sell it. <laughs> and then she leaves saying the grilled cheese won't fuck itself. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is not going to be afraid to be crass. And I, I really appreciate that. Right? That, like, this is... This movie goes into places that are very uh, John Waters-esque. And we'll get to that scene later as well. Were you in the mystery film course that I did in university? Which one was that? Uh, it was a class about films that were mysteries. Well, so we yeah, covered, I, I remember. We covered <laughs> The Thin Man. We covered Born Identity. Kind of gamut. Oh, noir. absolutely. No, okay. no, no, no. I've never seen a Thin Man movie. Okay. So the thing is, in Thin Man, when my professor was discussing it, they were saying that there's actually a bit in Thin Man that's very um, transgressive and taboo breaking because William Powell has this person in the bathroom because they're having like a Christmas party at their place. Oh, yeah, it is a Christmas movie. You should watch it. And, uh, and, she said, he says to her, like, why don't you have a seat? And, of course, the only seat in the bathroom is a toilet. And this was terribly taboo at the time. So it's kind of like a weird pause. And then he puts the lid down and sits there instead. And I was reminded by this later on in the movie because I was like, oh, yeah, there are still some taboos that I have never seen broken on film the way that this movie does. Yeah, that's, that's real weird that... There's some things that we just don't show and we just don't talk about in movies and on TV, not because of anything, but it's just this underlying constant taboo, right? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Mrs. Clovenwich also at this point calls uh, Mary a young Aryan princess <laughs> and talks about how beautiful she is with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> this is the start of an ongoing gag. <laughs> That I think is actually very smart um, about the the overwhelming whiteness of Hallmark movies, and uh, and this is sort of a this movie 
don't get me wrong, this movie is still very white, but it, uh, I thought that Mrs. Cloven, which is racism was an interesting way to draw your eye to that. Oh, and they, they call it out too. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the film, she, when she calls the cops, she's, she's explaining the situation. She says, I also think she's a racist. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's around this time that our, our last lead runs in. It's Arthur. Not, not, it's important to understand if you, you haven't watched the film and you're just listening to us, it is pronounced Arthur. His not name Arthur. Is Arthur, it's, but it's pronounced Arthur. No, no, it's not Arthur. No, no, it's not, like, so I watched this with subtitles mm-hmm. on. It is not spelled Arthur. It is spelled Arthur. A U H T H U H. Arthur is a time traveling royal from several centuries ago. It's unclear how far back. And he, of course, has been zapped here to learn the meaning of Christmas or something like that. And Mrs. Clovenwich says that actually happens very often in this town. I like just how He's unclear not even they sh- are. He's dressed in a uniform from like the 1800s, but he also talks about his mother being burned as a, at the stake for being a witch. It's it's so vague, but the point is, there is no point. Yes. Uh, Mary pulls out her laptop from her bag that only has Santa Dog and her laptop, and of course her computer is just dripping wet with hot cocoa it's completely ruined she can't write her story and she has no way of looking up her hotel reservation she'll she'll never be able to check in now with it like this and chris points out like you can just give them your name it's ruined (laughs) uh keith comes back and he invites her to stay with them because apparently he's always doing this. He's always inviting strangers to come over. And Chris is upset about it. And that's when Arthur pops up. And he, we learn that he's staying with them too. Naturally. Uh, they go to Chris and Keith's house. And Chris calls the police to help Arthur. Uh, this is when... <laughs> this is the scene that... Uh, that Storm was talking about during the interview. Where Arthur's lying on... I'm sorry. Arthur is lying on the kitchen counter, spraying Arthur. Pam into his mouth. Oh! I mean, it's it's not Pam in the film. It's like a, I think it's like an insect killer or something. Or WD-40, they changed the label. But just watching him spray it into his mouth, <laughs> I sat there and I was like, either that's good CGI or it's gotta be like a food or something because I can't imagine that's good oh yeah he's talking about how good the food is in the future and he's like licking his finger and dipping it into a box of baking soda at one point (laughs) (laughs) so the police come over and it is the town's racially diverse cop i mean cop (laughs) his name is rudolph rudolph hitler Rudolf Hitler. <laughs> Rudolf- 
Uh, and he can't help them with Arthur, but he lets them know that <laughs> the Cup of Cheers rent is now due on Christmas Eve. That's the day before Christmas. If you don't like that joke, just hold on. It's going to be repeated 25 more times. And if they don't pay the rent, Chris will uh, die, and then Officer Hitler will have to evict him. <laughs> this is the scene where <laughs> Officer Hitler takes off his hat to reveal a smaller hat and hands over the letter from <laughs> the landlord. This was actually a joke I didn't catch on the first uh, go through. Ebenezer Chan is their landlord. <laughs> Who we never meet. No, no. No, why would we need to meet that person? This is also when we get the first mention of the Christmas Eve bake sale fundraiser caroling competition time capsule opening tradition snow globe building competition wish making tradition. I'm surprised you wrote all of that down. I had to pause several times because that's the thing. I was really impressed. It doesn't actually change. <laughs> they are they are giving that whole spiel every single time. This is the big Christmas Eve to do in the and town. It, and it's it's said by different characters, right? It's not one character saying the same thing over and over again. This is something that the whole town agrees should be the thing's name. Yes. And of course, they're very sad now because Chris is going to lose his grandma's cup of cheer cocoa shop. Oh, no. He goes out to shovel some snow because he says whenever he's frustrated, he comes out here because at least he can feel like he makes a tiny difference. And there is a Simpsons-like reveal <laughs> where it zooms back to reveal that he is shoveling a lake and has made no change whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, also filmed in the beautiful town of Aurelia. I saw at one point, I saw a works burger place behind her, and I was like, oh, if I didn't know this was Canadian already. Oh, yeah. Very Canadian. So Mary suggests that they get a hamburger to cheer Chris up, and she takes him over to Mrs. Clovenwich's Mad Cow Diner. <laughs> she doesn't, it's not a, it's not a hamburger. It's a squash cattle beef with risen yeast casing. Because her dead mom always took her to get one whenever she was sad. <laughs> we chat with Mrs. Clovenwich again. At one point, she says that she's going off to the bathroom uh, and will be there for the next three minutes if anybody wants a qu quick screw. And Mary starts to get up and... <laughs> Chris puts her hand back down. It's not commented on at all. But she's like, okay, I'll continue the conversation with you. I love it. Same thing if you check any of the background uh, actors in any of these scenes. They're all doing very bizarre things. There's one guy who's just dunking his tea bag over and over for like five minutes straight. <laughs> People are eating enormous, enormous sausages. The sign on Mrs. Clovenwich's door <laughs> says, We're closed because we're tired. It's stuff like that. <laughs> this, is, this is the genius of this film. 
it has that airplane level quality of I didn't like when you brought all those background actors up I didn't know that they had been doing that so now I'm gonna go back and watch it again and just look at the background shit (laughs) and see this is why I thought that there must have been so much improv in this movie because it feels very much like oh this is there's so much on screen it feels like they shot a lot and cut it down but as storm said it's all in the script it must have been a tight tight script i was just thinking of something my mind went completely blank i forget what i was going to go to next could be anything well i mean uh, just mrs cloven witch went to the washroom potentially for a quick screw oh oh it's the dude shows up the dude and his henchmen her ex my ex my ex real quick i remember what it was uh it's that hallmark movies feel so insanely lazy you know sometimes there'll be snow sometimes there won't be uh that sort of thing and there's so little thought put into the background that this is what struck me is that they've done the exact opposite on this parody of them that every single terrible music cue is a joke every single actor in the background has a joke that they're doing this thing has been thought through so thoroughly i mean it it must also be with things like the background actors i'm sure there were times where they just set people up and then somebody started doing something and maybe the director was like oh that keep doing that like mm-hmm. you dunking the tea bag just just keep dunking the tea bag don't stop never stop uh and as you said it's around this time that my ex walks into the store your ex is in the film no no not my ex my ex her ex mm-hmm oh oh her ex my ex not my ex but her ex my ex yeah her ex is is his nickname but he also goes by my ex. Uh, the, this is another one where the subtitles really give this away much earlier. Who's on first base? <laughs> if you're watching with subtitles on, it yes. will tell you the joke, uh, which is that my ex comes in, who's a big city businessman. His name is literally first name my, last name X. And he is Mary's ex. And he's in town because he's opening up the hundred millionth franchise of Cocoa Flaps. That big city, heartless, hot cocoa store. (laughs) I don't know why it's called Cocoa Flaps. (laughs) It's just a silly name. Uh, He uh, also announces his gastrointestinal problems at this time. If you have a problem with this joke, you are going to have a problem every single time this character shows up. It it was definitely one of those things of, oh, this joke got old fast. And then a few minutes later, me going, nope, it's funny again. Fuck. Sideshow Bob and the rakes. Yes. Yes. Of course, he insults uh, uh, Chris. And Chris comes back at him and says, that's not even hot cocoa that you sell. I would call that hot chocolate and it's the most offensive thing anybody's ever said in this town oh <laughs> uh, all right well i mean he did call that old woman a cunt yeah. so 
<laughs> he does also admonish Mary for saying heck at one point. <laughs> oh, what I realize, we, we never said what their full names are. Oh, yes. So Mary's full name is Mary Nice Lady. And Chris's name is Chris Moss. Like, Living Moss. His last name is Moss. Nobody has ever pointed out to him that his name is Christmas before Mary does. I, I love that her name is Mary Nice Lady. <laughs> Especially, Just... <laughs> they're, they're so angry at the start when they don't know each other, and she's calling him dude, and he's calling her lady, and she says, Hey, my name's not Lady, and then we later on find out that it is, and nobody draws attention to that fact. <laughs> Uh, back at oh. Keith and Chris's house, Keith talks about wanting to find, wanting to help Chris with the store, and together they find Grandma Coco's old typewriter. So now Mary can write her article again. He found it in the last place that he could possibly look, which was in her room in a cabinet where she normally kept her typewriter, and where she also said in the will that it would be there. <laughs> And in the typewriter, we find the recipe for uh, Grandma Coco's gingerbread cookies. They are apparently famous. And they decide, oh, you know, we can save Chris with these gingerbread cookies. The next morning, uh, Mary is outside typing with mittens on on the typewriter. <laughs> and Arthur pops out of the snowbank and says that he has decided that his quest is complete. And he needs Keith to send him back. With a shotgun to his own time. As Arthur says, what's a guy got to do around here to get a hot load in the face? <laughs> oh, this perfect. is also... <laughs> the, the way the cunt joke was to you is my bit in this where uh, they're discussing the gingerbread cookie recipe and Mary says, well, if it was Grandma Coco's and... Keith cuts in and says, well, she wasn't your grandma, so shut your trap. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, it's an incredible feat. There are jokes every second. So if you don't find something funny, hold on, there may be something funny coming two seconds later. Uh, so Mary says the tradition can be used to sell gingerbread cookies to save the shop. But Chris hates the idea of being the subject of charity. They are going to sell the gingerbread cookies at, I am flipping back to the previous page in my notes, the Christmas Eve bake sale, fundraiser, caroling competition, time capsule opening tradition, snow globe building competition, wish making tradition. <laughs> the problem Where is. Where else would though, you sell them? <laughs> yeah. The problem is, none of them can bake. But Mary has a secret. Oh. She used to write at I Can Bake Magazine, and then she was the baker at I Can Write Magazine. This fucking movie. <laughs> she holds up a copy of I Can Bake Magazine, and the lead story is Martha Stewart, Eat Your Ass Out. <laughs> oh my god. I didn't even notice. <laughs> Uh, so Chris and uh, <laughs> Chris and Mary are having hot cocoa by the fireplace, and you know maybe they're they're starting to warm up to each other. They both drink a mug of hot cocoa, and he brings his down, and he has a little milk mustache, and 
she brings hers down and she has an enormous false mustache. Uh, it's around this time. It's a very silly film. That we meet Georgia, the child that you were talking about in the interview. Georgia is Chris's niece. So at this point, of course, I went, oh, so she's Keith's kid. It's kind of weird that Keith has a kid and we never learned about it before. But no, no. later on, no. Keith no, no, also no, no. refers no. to Georgia. <laughs> Georgia is also his niece. So what this child's relation it to yes. it, them is, is completely unclear. It, it's obvious. She's their niece. Duh. Of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's, it's during this scene... That I was losing it because Storm sits there, and anytime Chris looks at her, she's just got this look of wonderment and and holiday cheer. And then the second he looks over at Georgia, she stares fucking daggers at that child. <laughs> the bit that that really got me in this one was because this is you know this is the fine of their relationship. They're starting to warm up to each other. And she says something like, you know what I learned when I uh, moved to the big city? And he said that you're only like a, uh, uh, an eight in a small town. And she says, better that than the lead of a parody Christmas movie, Hot. And they just continue on as though both of them have said the <laughs> sweetest things to each other. <laughs> uh, so to take Chris's mind off of things, Georgia... Uh, takes him skating. They go to a beautiful little place where she highlights, huh, it's kind of weird that this uh, is so empty right before Christmas. They leave Georgia behind. They say, stay right here. We're going to go skate. Georgia is immediately kidnapped. <laughs> it's so... It, it's just this... It's not a blink and you'll miss it. The camera focuses on the child and just a stranger comes and grabs her and walks out of frame with her. She's what, maybe two years old at the most? <laughs> Who knows? It's it's a movie child. They, they could be anywhere between like six months to 17. <laughs> this is one of the things that actually comes back later in the plot, which felt like such a shock because, again, these jokes are just bam, 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 bam. So much so that it's weird. It kind of, It almost feels weird to have one joke have a repercussion like this. Yeah, it, it kind of has a repercussion, but in all the wrong ways. Exactly. Uh, Chris tells Mary that Grandma Coco died last Christmas Eve doing what she loved. I forgot this. What she loved was black tar hair. When... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. Uh... Uh... So Mary talks to my ex to try to convince him to not take over Cup of Cheer. He's in Mrs. Clovenwich's place. He orders a cinnamon bun with no cinnamon because it turns out he's deathly allergic. Fortunately, she has one cinnamon bun with no cinnamon left. Uh, he refuses to stop, of course. He says that he was the one who kidnapped Georgia. Oh, no. It's at this point that Chris and Mary both remember, oh yeah, Georgia, shit, we totally forgot about her. Oh god, I don't think anybody's noticed that she's missing yet. 
Uh, Mary and my ex argue. He sort of grabs her face in his hands. And of course, that's when Chris comes in. And it looks like Mary's kissing him. And he storms out furious. Uh, Chris visits Keith at his job as Flash the Mall Elf. <laughs> uh, do you want to say what Flash the Mall Elf's job is? Um, Flash, Flash the Mall Elf is uh, apparently a very in-demand... Christmas-themed stripper. <laughs> Rewatching it today as I wrote down my notes, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot with how Christmassy this thing is. It is kind of weird that he is a Christmas-themed stripper. Like, he takes off his shirt and he's got nipple clamps on, but they're also <laughs> they're also tinsel and with little ornaments on them. And... And he's he's surrounded just by a bunch of people who are all throwing money at him occasionally. They're all very disinterested in him, though. Like, there's... I, I, I don't... The joke's great. I'm just not quite sure what the joke is. I think the joke is that it's like a, like a sad strip bar where, you know, everybody's like kind of drunk and out of it and he's just trying to both carry on a conversation with his brother and tell jokes about coming down somebody's chimney. Now, it's it's very important to understand that Keith is at work at the moment. So when his brother comes in to talk to him, Keith makes it very clear that, you know, you can't just talk to me at work. You know, you have to pay for it. And so... Keith begins giving an incredible lap dance to his brother. <laughs> because that's the only way they can have a conversation. Uh, Keith Bravo. says, of course, that he should trust Mary. It was around this time that I was like, oh, okay, this is the change. No, Chris is going to have to be told this by literally every other character in the movie. You should trust Mary. You are in love with Mary. <laughs> It's going to keep happening. We don't mind. It's good for the jokes. Yes. Uh, Mary meets Santa again, and he gives her another beer, and he also gives her a beer mat. She looks at it and goes, I have to go there. She rushes off to the bar. Uh, Mrs. Clovenwitch shows up on the street to meet <laughs> Chris, and she says she is the ghost of Christmas past Christmas. Not Christmas past, just Christmas past Christmas. She tells Chris that Grandma Coco would have wanted him to trust Mary. Uh, he also goes to the bar at this point, and he meets Santa, the ghost of Christmas presents. Not present, presents. Presents. Yeah. Uh, my ex comes in, and this is the bathroom scene. Would you like to describe the bathroom scene? Because I would like to not do that. So, you know how we talk about how some movies are transgressive and they, they cross cultural taboos? And up until this point, we've been made very aware that my ex has bowel issues. Well, Chris walks into the bathroom to confront my ex just as he's finishing up in the toilet. Not the toilet. And he's shitting in the urinal. <laughs> <laughs> he's... Okay, he's shitting in the urinal. I'm trying to be pleasant here, Sarah, for fuck's sake. This scene does not Jeez. allow for that. <laughs> and then he goes over to the sink to wash his hands. Thank God. However, the camera cuts right to his hands to reveal that they are 
covered, covered in enormous piles of shit. <laughs> they proceed to have a conversation, I, looking in the mirror, um, but it keeps going on, so they both have to keep finding new things to do with their hands. He keeps washing his hands. They both keep using obscene amounts of soap. <laughs> I, I, what is there to say about this scene other than we're watching two men sort of verbally spar with soap and one of them has to wash enormous amounts of shit off of his hands. You know that scene in Bring It On where Kirsten Dunst and the male lead are both uh, brushing their teeth together and it turns into like sort of a, a duel without anyone saying anything? It's just, it's so much. And this is, this is where my brain kicked in and said, um, this, this is what John Waters would want out of this film. This scene of having to watch this man wash shit off of his hands. (laughs) It's rough. I tell you, I was, I, this is what I was saying about the taboo that I didn't even realize was a taboo. I was like, oh God, I am deeply uncomfortable watching this it's also quite funny yeah and that's that's the john watersness of it right Mm -hmm. we don't want to watch divine eat dog shit but she's gonna eat that dog shit and it's gonna be fucking hilarious uh so mary's still trying to track down chris and she runs to their house and arthur's outside uh oh sorry this is Arthur and Chris talking outside. And Arthur says that what he learned is that Chris needs to open up his heart and let Mary in. So he runs off. He drives all the way over to the oh. fundraiser because that's where they're going to meet up. Uh, I'm sorry, the what? <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Let me go back. <laughs> You're doing this because you didn't write it down. It's the Christmas Eve bake sale fundraiser caroling competition time capsule opening tradition snow globe building competition wish making tradition on Christmas Eve the day before Christmas. Thank you. <laughs> Mary and Keith are running to catch Chris at the fundraiser uh, while they are doing this and speeding across town. Mary hits Keith with the car <laughs> and leaves him to die in a parking lot. Yeah. Cause it's important that she makes it to Chris in time. Gosh. She said, I'll always remember you, Carl. They arrive at, well, just Mary this time arrives at the, I'm going to say fundraiser. And she gives a speech about what she's learned about being in the town for Christmas. Fine. At this point, my ex shows up and, uh, she says, why don't you have a cup of hot cocoa? Now, there's a secret ingredient in the hot cocoa. Is it love? No. No, no, no. Fuck no, it's not love. What is it? The secret ingredient ingredient is cinnamon. But isn't that what my ex is deathly allergic to? Yeah, and he promptly dies. <laughs> Instantly. Like, falls down on the floor. Boom. Uh, also, Storm like, breaks no the fourth wall. There's no anaphylaxis. Storm breaks the fourth wall at this point, and as she's handing it to him, she looks directly into the camera, which I really enjoy. Oh, I love a fourth wall break like that. Uh, Keith shows up at this point. He has gotten better. <laughs> 
He's completely fine. He's a little mad that she left him to die, but he's completely fine. Uh, Mrs. Clovenwitch shows up with Georgia. Georgia is a completely different child. This kid looks about eight or something like that. And everybody goes, oh, yeah. It's weird that we didn't notice that Georgia was kidnapped, huh? But uh, Officer Hitler shows up and Mary tells him to arrest Mrs. Clovenwitch for kidnapping and for being extremely racist. As we should do normally. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't that be a lot better? <laughs> also, as this was the exit of Mrs. Clovenwitch, I've got to say her actress again, just killing it every single time, playing this completely normally blandest character in the movie, doing it with a, a little giggle and a smile for you two cute kids, and being absolutely horrendous the entire time. I, I love it. Like the, the scene where she caresses Chris's face and then runs her fingers underneath his nose. Just, <laughs> uh, uh. Uh, Mary and Chris confess that they love each other. Uh, this is when they do what you described as the world's worst kiss and blow hot air in each other's faces. This... Oh, oh, no, no, no. It's not blow hot air into each other's faces. Like, they... They both open their mouths as wide as possible and then, like, partially touch each other's teeth for a second <laughs> with their teeth and then proceed to just breathe air in and out of each other's mouths. This escalates to their mouths and faces just smushing up against each other and tongues fighting. It's... <laughs> The world's worst kiss ever put to film. And I appreciate the fuck out of it. Uh, of course, now they do, in fact, sell the gingerbread cookies. And Cup of Cheer is almost saved. But what's this? They're five dollars short. Oh, no, not five dollars. A simple sum that could easily be gotten from anybody just asking hey can i borrow five bucks but no this film doesn't fucking care about that uh this is the part i think that storm was referring to when she was talking about how much she has to yell in this movie because she runs out of the room yelling <laughs> drives back to the house gets santa dog puts him in the washer washes him drives back screaming the whole time <laughs> And then says, why don't we sell Santa Dog? And they sell him the and they get the time. last five dollars. Hooray! It's a Christmas miracle! Cup of cheer is saved. And the final scene is Christmas morning with Chris and Keith and Mary. And they look down at all the boxes and they say... <gasps> Who could have done this? And Chris says, it was Santa. And the other two look at him like, what the fuck? <laughs> Inside one of the boxes is Arthur, who has come back from his own time again. And they both, and everybody goes, wait, he left? I, did you know that he left? I didn't see him leave. But he's come back I, and he has. No, we don't, we don't <laughs> see him leave. 
<laughs> he has these enormous, very misspelled cue cards because he's love actually in Keith. He's come back from his own time because he's realized he's in love with Keith. And Keith goes, that's great. <laughs> this is also one of my favorite bits where Chris says, don't, maybe, uh, maybe you came back for me instead. And Arthur goes, you're my best friend. And you just watch him deflate. It's hilarious. The acting in this film that everybody does all the little body language things and reactions to jokes, not as jokes, but rather as things that people are saying that should be taken seriously. Chef's kiss. And Mary opens up her present and inside is Santa dog. It's with this that she realizes, fuck, she forgot to write her article. Fuck, fuck, fuck. And she runs off. Title smash, end of movie. I loved it. I really liked this I love, movie. Uh, I I think this may end up in my regular holiday rotation now. I think that it is... It's going to be a tough one to sell to people. I think Airplane is probably the best comparison with just how packed tight it is. Um, but... If you don't like this movie, you're going to really not like this movie. I will say that. If this comedy doesn't hit you just right. Oh, I can totally see that. Yeah, I, I can I can absolutely understand why somebody might watch this and just be grated by this film from minute one. Because, again, there's no let up. If you don't like this type of comedy you are dealing with it for the next 90 minutes, but I found this very funny. I was laughing out loud. I was just enjoying so much about this, the deliveries, the performances, the jokes. I, I, this is a big recommend for me in terms of please just see this movie because we can't do this justice. There's so many jokes that we skipped over in order to get to some of them. Like I was saying before, this movie has been fought out thoroughly. There is nothing in this that is there by accident or feels lazy. There's one joke that I really loved um, in the final scene at the cookie sale. There's a choir singing Silent Night, but the only words they sing are Silent Night. They're singing it to the tune of Silent Night, but that's the only lyric they sing. And it's so utterly bizarre, and I don't really know why I find it so funny, but it 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 delights me. It makes me so happy. Oh, oh I'm so glad I picked something that we both enjoy, even though we were totally blind going into this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really got to recommend, uh, there are multiple ways to watch this for free and completely legally. Um, Storm pointed out that it is available on CBC Gem, which is an online streaming service in Canada and will be for at least the next couple of years. Uh, I think you and I both watched this on Tubi, where it is also free, correct? Yes, I did watch mine on Tubi. Mm -hmm. Uh the, and that's the fun thing about Tubi, too, is 
there's so much shit on it that you come across something like this hiding and it feels like you found a diamond in the rough. Oh, yeah. It, this this was like I programmed this with the hopes of being able to get Storm on in order to do an interview to mm-hmm. talk about this film because she had made it and I was like I'm interested in seeing this film and I thought, you know what? My podcast and the 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 Christmas season, this seems like a perfect idea. And I just feel like we we found something really special here. Absolutely. I I don't think there's any other movie out there like Cup of Cheer, which seems ridiculous given how huge, as you said, an industry these movies are and grow every single year. Mm-hmm. But Sarah, I think we've come to the most important part, which is is Cup of Cheer camp? I'm I'm torn on this. A, a very a very frequent theme that I have when I'm trying to decide if something's camp is the struggle that I find between what's camp and what's just pure comedy. On the other hand, your argument of like this is kind of the the Christmas movie that John Waters would make, it's it's winning me over. I I think I have to say this is largely a farce. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of camp of in Cup of Cheer. How about you? Yeah, the the shit hand washing scene. I've said shit more times on this podcast than I normally do in like a week. Um, it really sold me when I saw that. I was like, "Oh, this is disgusting. This is so fucking crude. I can't believe they put this in the movie." And then my brain clicked into place and said, "That's camp." That the movie would purposely just be so transgressive about showing something like that, that I had to be on its side. I was like, yeah, no, this is camp. It's also just a great comedy. I feel, Mm -hmm. but there's the nugget of transgression that lives through most of this film, a main character calling an old woman, a cunt, (laughs) Uh, just the the fact that there's like a brother on brother lap dance all of these things (laughs) one joke that we didn't point out with Santa saying just offhandedly I think incest is fine if it's both guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's transgressive in that way that like really pushing the boundaries camp can be and so i have to say yes it's it is a farce like you said but it is camp um it's funny there's um we we tweeted about it but it's unfortunately going to be before this episode comes out there is a toronto premiere of this at the review cinema on december 2nd um that is in the past when this comes out, in the future when we are recording. And I can't think of a better, more fun way to watch this film than in a theater full of people getting to experience it, probably for the first time. I think I may get tickets to go see that on Friday. So if you see me there, you probably don't know that that was me, because who knows what I actually look like? I am a person <laughs> of mystery. 
So thank you for joining us today on our exploration of Cup of Cheer. Please subscribe on your podcaster of choice, leave a star rating and review where you can, because it always helps us to find new people who may not know what their camp favorite is. Yes, and next week will be the final week of this holiday season, where we will be discussing Black Adder, Back and Forth. Black Adder, Black Adder. So this is... This is the second time that we've said we're going to discuss Blackadder on the show. We did it once before, and uh, and we backed out of recording that one just because of some turfy shit in the episode. But I haven't watched this in years. I hope it is uh, it lives up to my memory of it. Uh, I I think this one will be fine because it is a Christmas episode, and for Christmas episodes, they they tend to to fall into with, with BBC comedies, no matter how broad the comedy is, they try to make the Christmas episodes just a touch more family friendly mm-hmm. in order to be like, Oh yes. You know, everybody's going to want to sit down and watch the black adder Christmas special this year. Uh, I remember being very excited for this one because it has Shakespeare in it. Mm-hmm. And it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a star studded cast because what they do is that they, there's a time traveling component and they, they get to meet a whole bunch of character at great British character actors. I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping it lives up to my memory of it. Oh, I'm sure it will. But until then you, our campers, our audience, can participate in this discussion please tell us your favorite joke from cup of cheer on our twitter and our instagram i am at reese indigo all one word r-h-y-s spelled the welsh way and i am at sour citrus lady you can follow the pod on at is it camp pod until next week wait an hour before swimming watch out for snakes and stay camp bye Hunt. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs>